So, so, so we're in a series called All On Nothing. Everyone say All On Nothing. And if you weren't here last week, just go back on our Spotify, Apple, on YouTube, and just go hear what was said last week. But this is a series that, by the end of it all, we have to make a decision to decide whether we are going to be all in with God or not. Because what we found out last week is that playing both sides in the playing both sides in the eyes of God is disgusting. He would rather you be left or right. He would rather you be in or out, just so he knows how to handle you. And last week we learned about the armor of God. And I summarized what each armor meant and stuff like that. And we're really about to break down every single bit of armor in this series. And that's my prayer that this changes your life. So let's turn our Bibles to Ephesians 6 verse 10. Ephesians 6 verse 10. Ephesians 6 verse, verse 10. And it says it like this. Finally, everyone say finally. finally. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the fool. That means that we can't leave some out. It's either we wear everything for it to be effective or not. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the enemy schemes. But I really want to focus today on the first line of that. So verse 10 says it like this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. The fact that Paul says finally, yeah, that lets me know that he was speaking before this. He didn't just arrive on the scene and, and said this. He gave a list of instructions or a list of things to this church, these people, and he says, finally. It's like, I've said a lot right now, but if you don't remember anything that I've said, for your own sake, remember what I'm about to tell you. And he goes, finally, be strong in the Lord. Everyone say, be strong in the Lord. It tells us who to be strong in. Because culture will make you feel like you have to be strong. And you have to figure life out. And you are the one that's able to, you are the one that's supposed to come up with solutions and be strong for your family and be strong for people to see. But the scripture says, be strong in the Lord. And especially men. Men, I don't know how culture has tried to make it feel like we are supposed to be saviors. But may I submit to you that we are not supposed to be savior. There's no need in trying to be a savior because God already sent a savior. We are not supposed to rely on our own strength. The Bible says be strong in the Lord. So my first point, if a writer was write this point down, true strength is found in God. True strength ain't found in your ability to figure it out in your own ways to master life and you. True strength is found in God. So we need to vet our sources of strength. We need to vet what gives us strength. We need to vet what gives us security. And we need to vet what gives us pleasure. And it's my hope today that from today onwards that we live life being strong in the Lord. Because life will try to make you weak. Life will throw things at you just to try to drain energy from you. And the scripture gives us a solution to this. And it lets us know that, yo, if you're going to last in this life, if you're going to overcome the enemy's scheme for you, you have to be strong in the Lord. But, but, but may I submit to you that before we even get to the place where we decide to be strong in the Lord, we have to first recognize that we are weak. And I know that not a lot of people would like to say that. My next point. You can only receive his strength if you acknowledge that you're weak. God's strength is available for you. But as long as you feel like you are in control... As long as you feel like you can handle it, as long as you feel like it's up to you to figure it out, you will not experience the strength that is found in the Lord. In order for you to receive his strength, you have to first acknowledge that you're weak. 
And a lot of people don't get to that point where they, where they acknowledge that they're weak. Because they feel like if I'm to admit that I'm weak, it's a sign of weakness. But may I submit to you, my next point, acknowledging that you are weak is not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of surrender. I'm going to say that again. Acknowledging you are weak is not a sign of weakness. It is a sign of surrender. That God, I'm surrendering to you right now. In my own strength, I'm, un I'm, I'm, un I'm unable to. The weights of life, the things I have to go through in life, I am unable to figure it out. Father, I need your strength. In order for you to receive his strength, you have to first acknowledge that you are weak. And acknowledging that you are weak is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of, surrenders, of surrender. If you don't believe me, I'll prove to you. Let's, let's turn our Bibles to 2 Corinthians 12, verse 6. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 6. And this is Paul that is speaking. And if you, and if you know who he is, like Paul wrote... Most of the things that we read in the, in the New Testament is Paul. He wrote Ephesians, Corinthians, Philippians, Galatians, all of that. It's Paul. He had the right to feel strong. Look at what I'm doing. I'm writing letters to all these churches that we still speak 3,000 years later. But look what Paul says. Even if I should choose to boast, I will not be a fool. I have a right to boast. I'm that guy. However, because I will be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. Next verse. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thought in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord, to take it away from me. No one knows what this thing was. But there was something that was making him weak. Some say it was an addiction. Some say it was this. Some say it was that. We don't know what it is. What we do know is that he was weak in an area. And he was like, God, take this weakness away from me. But look what the Lord responded. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. May I submit to you that your weakness is at your advantage. Therefore, I will boast all the more. Gladly, gladly. I have no shame about the fact that I'm weak. I have no shame about the fact that I'm unable to control these kids. I have no shame about the fact that I'm not able to do what I'm, what I'm supposed to do. I have no shame about it. I gladly boast about it, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Next verse. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Your weakness is actually just an opportunity for him to be your strength. Don't feel ashamed about your weakness. All your weakness is an, is an opportunity for you to invite God for him to be your strength. So when the writer said, finally, be strong in the Lord, it's saying, yo, don't worry about the fact that you are weak. You are actually supposed to be weak so that you can find true strength in the Lord. If a writer knows, write this point down. Weakness is your advantage. Never... Think of your weakness as a reason for you to be set back. It's actually just an opportunity for you to rely on God. Every day that I speak here, most of you may know, some of you may not know. I stutter. That's, that's, my, that's my weakness. Every time I come here, I have to depend on God. And I say, God, even though I'm doing the talking, you are the one that should be doing the speaking. I shouldn't see it as a way to, you know what, that's my weakness, so I'm going to shy away from public speaking. It's just an opportunity for God's power to rest on me so that I cannot boast in my own strength, but I can boast that he is the one. We're supposed to be strong in the Lord, not in what you know, not in who claps for you, but be strong in the Lord. But it don't stop there. Look what it says in Ephesians 6 verse, verse 10, verse 11. Finally, 
Go back. Be strong in the Lord and, everyone say and. And his mighty power. He's not asking you to be strong in the Lord without letting you know that he's able to be your strength. I'm letting you know why you should be strong in the Lord. Because his power is mighty. Don't forget the might of his power. And many of us, have for, we, we live life and we forget how powerful God is. And I just want to remind you or let you know for the very first time that your God, he's powerful. Many of us have, we don't live life knowing that the Lord that we serve, he is powerful. And I'll prove to you. When Job, everyone knows the story of Job. If you, if, if you don't know Job, Job is a guy in the Bible. He lost his everything. Da, 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 da. He was weak in a moment. And we're starting like, to question God, like, God, like, come on, like, if you're powerful, why? You know what I'm saying? Look what the Lord said in Job 38. And I'm going to read the whole chapter just so we know how great our, great the Lord that we serve is. Job 38. Then the Lord answered Job out of the storm. And it's my hope that as I'm reading this, yeah, there's a revelation that is coming on the inside of you for you to know that the God you serve is powerful. Then the Lord answered Job out of the storm and he said, Who is this that darkness, who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man, Job. I will question you and you will answer me. Since you have life, figured out. Since you don't believe that, I'm that guy. I'm going to ask you questions and you'll answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footing set or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the cloud its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness. When I fixed limits for it and I set its doors and bars in place. When I said, this is how far you may come and no further. Where is, here is where your proud waves halt. Have, Joe, since you know so much. Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place that it might take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it? The earth takes shape like clay under a seal. Its features stand out like those of a garment. The wicked are denied their light and their, up, and their upraised arm is broken. Have you ever journeyed to the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses, in the recesses, of, recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death ever been shown to you, Job? Have you ever seen the gates of the shadow of death? Have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me, if you know all of this, what is the way to the abode of light? And where does darkness reside? Can you take them to their places? Do you know the path to where they dwell? Surely you know, for you are already born. You've lived so many years. God has a sense of humor, you know. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow or seen the storehouses of the hell? Which I reserve for times of trouble, for days of war and battle. What is the way to the place where the lightning is dispersed or the place where the east winds are scattered over the earth? Who cuts a channel for the torrents of rain and path for the thunderstorm? To water a land where no man lives, a desert with no one in it. To satisfy a desolate wasteland and make it sprout with grass. Does the rain have a father? Who fathers the drops of dew? From whose womb comes the ice? Who gives birth to the frost from the heavens? When the waters be become hard as stone, when the surface of the deep is frozen, can you bind the beautiful, whatever that word is, can you loose the cords of Orion? These are words that I don't even know about, and the Lord is saying, you know what I'm saying? Can you bring forth the constellations in their seasons or lead out the bear with its clubs? Do you know the laws of heaven? Can you set up God's dominion over the earth? Can you raise your voice to the clouds and cover yourself with the flood of water? 
Do you send lightning bolts? How long is this? Do you send lightning bolts on their way? Do they report to you? Here we are. Who endowed the heart with wisdom or gave understanding to the mind? Who has the wisdom to count the clouds? Who can tip over the water jars of the heavens? When the dust becomes hard and the clouds of earth stick together, do you hunt the prey for the lionesses and satisfy the hunger of the lions? When the crouch in their dens or lie in wait in a thicket, who provides food for the ravens when its young cry out to God and wonder about it for lack of food? He's reminding Joel what I just said. I'm the one that does this. This is how great my power is. So he relates this to Job. And look what Job says in Job 40, verse 3. After God says all of this, look what he says. <laughs> then Job answered the Lord, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my, my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice, but I will say no more. The Lord was reminding Job that what you're in may have power, but I have all power. My next point. If you're going to be strong in the Lord, you're going to have to know this may have power, but God has all power. Job thought the situation that he was in had power over him. The Lord reminded him that, yo, I done this, I done that, where were you? He's saying that this may have power, but God has all power. And I love the, 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 the prayer that Nora said, that the Lord needs to ignite a fire in, in, in us. Because as almost as he knew what my sermon was. Because the title of my sermon is actually called Through the Fire. And I'm a reminder of a story of men who had to be strong in the Lord and trust the might of his power. So let's turn our Bibles to Daniel 3 verse 4. Daniel 3 verse 4. So to set the scene here, this is an era in, the, in like the olden days where like there was a king who ruled, right? And this is what happened. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, "This is what you are. This is what you are commanded to do, all, all peoples, nations, and men of every language. As soon as you hear, everyone say, as soon as you hear, the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music." You must fall down and worship the image of gold that King, Neb King N has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately, I will say immediately, be thrown in the, into, the, into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, the flute, zephyr, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the peoples, all the nations, and men of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King N had set up. So King N made a decree that if you live in this land, you have to bow down to the image that I say bow down to. And the Bible says that everyone did. All men of every nation, every race, they all bow down to him. But may I submit to you that if you're going to be strong in the Lord and in the might of his power, you're going to have to know disobedience is not my portion, even if it's normalized. I'm going to say that again. You're going to have to know disobedience is not my portion, even if it's normalized. Society can make sin right. That it's okay to cheat. It's okay to lie. It's okay to not be faithful. If you look at what everyone else is doing, you'll be like, if everyone else is doing it, then surely it must be the way to go. But the fact that it is normalized, it does not make it right. The king said that, yo, everyone bowed down to me. And everyone did. But may I submit to you that disobedience should never be your portion, even if it's normalized.
So, so, so now, this is what the people were supposed to do. Look what it says in Daniel 3 verse, verse, Daniel 3 verse 10. So, oh, like, there's these, there's these boys called um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and I'm going to say their name to be the Hebrew boys, just so I don't have to say the name time and time again. So every, every time I say the Hebrew boys, just know I'm talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So the Hebrew boys said that, no, nah, we won't bow down to what you have said. So people went to go snitch. And they said this, you have issued a decree, O king, that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zypher, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. And that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into the blazing furnace. But, I will say but, there are some Jews, yeah, whom you have set over the affairs of the province of ba Babylon, the Hebrew boys, who pay no attention to you, O king. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you said. And I love how the Bible said after everyone did it, the Bible says, but there are some. And this just, to me, this just represents the society that we're in now. That when everyone is disobeying God, when everybody is living a life that don't honor God, let, there be, let it be said of your life that but there are some. If you're going to be strong in the Lord and his might, be set apart. Because you are about to, in life, you're not only supposed to be surrounded by people that believe like you, think like you, do things like you. You're going to be around people who take pride in this honoring God. But let it be said of you that we are here, but there are some guys. Like, yo, like I know every time that we, we, we step out to, you know, have a, uh, a good drink, like we take, the, we take some girls home, but Dijon always goes home. He don't indulge in what we indulge in. He's here with us, but he's not a part of us. Let it be said of you. That, yo, like, every time I work and there's a debate, like, this guy, these men are always swearing, but there are some people who don't even say anything that is profane. Be set apart. Because the realities of life is that you will not be surrounded with people that, that believe what you believe. You will not be surrounded with people that think the way you think. You may not be surrounded with people that have decided to honor God. But even in the midst of them, let it be said, but there are some. Yo, like, you come out and you enjoy yourself with us, but it's like the joy of the Lord is, the, is your strength. Like you, you, like, you don't need what we need in order to have a good time, but, but there are some. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the Hebrew boys, when everyone else was disobeying God, they decided not to because they were set apart. And even those that were disobeying God even recognized that they, they're not even like us. But there are some. All I'm, I'm, try, all I'm trying to say is this. If you're going to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, be set apart. Then look what it says in Ephesians. No, I'm not saying Ephesians. In Daniel 3.10. Daniel 3.10. Go, go back to 10. Daniel 3.10. Daniel 3.10. Daniel 3 verse 10 said like, 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 like this. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn flute must fall down and worship the image of gold. And that whoever does not fall, fall down and worship will be thrown into, into the blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. The Hebrew boys pay no attention to you, O king. They neither serve your gods nor, nor worship the image of gold that you have set up. So when everyone else was bowing down, they decided not to. My next point. I've said this point before, but I'm going to say it again because it makes sense of the story. If you're going to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, abandon your bow. And I'm not even speaking about the image of gold. 
I'm talking about your own flesh. We all have an error in our life that the moment it knocks, for some of us is ego. Anytime we get the opportunity to remind somebody how great we are and why what they're doing is less than, for some people it's pride. Anytime you get the opportunity to remind someone how well you're doing in life. For some of us, it's lost. The moment you get that text, we all have a bow. And the scripture is saying that if you're going to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, you have to abandon your bow. I'm not talking about the image of gold. I'm talking about your own flesh. You have to abandon your bow. So, obviously now, they refuse to do this. So look what the king said in Daniel 3 verse 13. Daniel 3 verse 13. Furious with rage, King N summoned the Hebrew boys, so these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Wait, why is, why is everyone coming before? I don't understand. Oh, oh. Then, then Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that, um, that I've set up? Okay. Since you were bad out of my sight, Let's see if you have the same response now that you're face to face with me. Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zifa, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of mu- music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately, I will say immediately, into a blazing furnace. Then what God? will be able to rescue you from my hand. I don't know about you. But if, I'm, if, I, if, if I was there, yeah, if I was part of the Hebrew boys by this time, I've changed my mind. Because God, like, it's good obeying you when no, no one else can see me. But when it's time to obey you, I'd rather not obey you just so I can live a life that is comfortable. Because I, I don't know if you notice, if I say no, I'm about to die. It's not like I'm about to be put in jail or anything, you know. Man's about to die. So God, I've, I've, I'll honor you in private. But the public thing, I'm good. But the Hebrew boys, their response was we still won't, 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 won't back. We don't care what you do. Because if a right now is right this point, point down, because there will always be an opportunity for you to really decide what you believe. For you to be all in on what you believe or not. My next point. If you're going to be strong in the Lord and in the might of his power, you're going to have to know. Your commitment to God, hear me. Your commitment to God isn't confirmed in church. Your commitment to God is confirmed in the streets. Your commitment to God isn't confirmed in church. Your commitment to God is confirmed in the streets. It's not here that you come and you pray and you fast and you sing that you're committed to God. It's when you're outside and nobody can see you. What decisions are you making that honor God? I'll be real. You know, I've decided that if I preach, I would like to preach from a place that is real. I'm a single guy, yeah? I can't tell you, yeah, how many places that I've gone to and I've seen that. I've seen somebody who doesn't even know that I'm a preacher. And I'm like, yo, like, I can't lie right now, you're looking a bit. Oh, can I be real today? Oh, you, oh, you, you might think because preachers preach, they don't. I'm looking at thinking, raw like Charlie. <laughs> but hear me. 
I now have a, a decision to make. Because none of you will find out what I've done. She don't even know where I stand. But my commitment to God ain't confirmed because I preach to you. It's confirmed when no one can see what I'm doing. And would I still declare the, oh my. Your commitment to God isn't confirmed because you're in church. It's confirmed in the streets. Because there will always be an opportunity for you to decide whether you're all in or not. So the Hebrew boys, and the same applies to your purpose. But that's, that's a concept for another day. I can't wait till I preach about purpose because most of you feel like it's your purpose to be on the praise team and be a pastor and stuff. If everybody is a pastor, what, who would the pastors be pastoring? They'll be pastoring pastors. <laughs> your purpose extends the four walls of church. Yeah. But cool, uh, we'll speak about that another day. Time will be. So all, all, all I'm trying to say is this. If you're going to be strong in the Lord and in, in, in his match, you're going to have to know your commitment to God isn't confirmed in church. Your commitment to God is confirmed in the streets. So the king lays this out. Yo, if you don't bow down, you'll be thrown immediately into the fire. Look what it says in Daniel 3 verse 16. And this is one of the most gangster response that I've ever seen from anyone. I want you to deep the situation that they were in. It's either they bow or they die. The Hebrew boy said to the king, Oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves. Now, pause. That alone, that response is very... I want you to humanize the story. They're literally standing there. They have to think on the spot. And they said, we won't even defend, we won't even explain. We do not need to defend ourselves before you. In this matter, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will, everyone say he will, will. rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. They said, yo, the God whom we serve, king, we don't need to defend ourselves right, right now. The God whom we serve, if he be God, he's able to rescue us and he will. Everyone say he will. Yeah. But even if he does not, my next point, if you're going to be strong in the Lord, you're going to have to know obedience is my responsibility. The outcome is God's. Just because I don't have a guarantee if the Lord will rescue me, it doesn't mean that I would disobey him right now. Because my faith ain't even determined by outcomes. My faith is determined based on who he is. So even if he doesn't rescue us, I'm going to go out swinging, believing that he can rescue me. But even if he does not, let it be known, O king, that my faith in God isn't based on outcomes. It's not based on what he does. It's based on who he is. Because obedience is my responsibility. The outcome is God's. How beautiful is that and how weighty is that? But, 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 but may I submit to you, because as, I was, as I, I was preparing for this, I studied like every version of the Bible. I'm, I'm just giving a quick, a, quick, um, a quick session here. Like for, for those of you that would like to study the, the, the word, there's three types of translation. There's word for word, for word there's meaning for, for meaning, and there's par, par, paraphrase. Word for word is the closest thing to the, like the, literal text like the King James and the NSAAB meaningful meaning is what is what it what it means to say so that's your NIV and your NLT and, da, da, da. and then there's paraphrase that brings it in like the modern day translates like the MSG and the T and, and the TT and the TBT something told me to go read this in the King James the word for word translation and what I found out is what they said 
This still stands. But there's another perspective that came when I read it in the King James Version of the Bible. Is this the King, is this the King James? Shadrach, Meshach, and, a, and the Hebrew boys answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O, o king. But if not, many translations have translated that, but if not, to them, to, they've translated it as if that, but if not, means that, but if God don't rest, 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 rescue us. And I know that is what we've heard in sermons time and time and time and time again. The idea is true. Scripturally, it's true. Because our faith in God ain't based on outcomes. It's based on who, who he is. But contextually, that's not what the Hebrew boy said. Because if you go back, go, go, go back. If it be so, the God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known. Now pause. Beth, if I'm to ask you, yeah, there's this motive tomorrow, right? If we go, I'm going to drive there. But if not, I'll link you on Tuesday. What does that mean to you? It means that we're going to go anyway. Oh, if we go, oh, that we're not going to drive. That we can go another method of transport. Yo, this, this one. Let me let me ask you this, bro. There's this motive tomorrow. If we go, I'm gonna drive there. But if not, I'm link on Tuesday. What does what does that mean to you? I'm gonna see you on Tuesday. So it has nothing to do with the car, right? It has everything to do with if we go, if or, or if we. Now go back. If it be so, if what be so, if we're thrown into the fire, the God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your king, out of your hand, O king. But if not, meaning, but if you don't throw us in, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve your gods nor worship. These people were letting the king know that that king, you don't have that amount of influence over us. No matter how much influence you think you have over us, you don't determine our fate. My actions will not be based off of what you do. So if you decide to throw us in, God will deliver us. If you decide to not throw us in, we still won't bow down. Because circumstances do not decide my fate. You can throw me in or not. God will deliver me. You can stay in my life or leave my life. God will still be in my corner. You can give me the loan or not. God will always be my provider. Because sometimes in life, things feel like they have a hold over you. That they're able to dictate what you do and dictate how you respond. The Hebrew boy said that, nah. If you throw us in, the God whom we serve, he will rescue us. But even if you don't throw us in, we still won't change our mind, O king. And we still won't bow down to you. If a rhinos, write this point, point, point down. Because if you're going to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, you're going to have to know, circumstances do not decide my fate. Neither does it change God's position. King, you can do whatever you like. You can throw us in or not. We still won't bow down. If you throw us in, God will deliver us. If you decide to not throw us in, we still won't bow down because you do not control what I do. Circumstances do not decide my fate. Neither does it change God's position because the Lord will come through for me no matter what you, no matter what you decide to do. So, 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 so. Look what it says in Daniel 3 verse 19, NIV now. This made the king furious, and his attitude toward them changed. And he ordered the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than usual. 
and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the, killed the soldiers. What if I told you that the enemies after your life, they're, they're planning their own downfall. The fire was, support, was made seven times hotter to the point where it killed those that were designed to put them in. Then look what it says. Then the king commanded so early, the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied up, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Hey, yo, no, 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 you man, come and see this. I swear we threw three men in there. They replied, Certainly, O king. He said, I found you sure. Because look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. My question is, how did he know what the son of God looks like? If God isn't using fire to even show, reveal himself to those that never believed in the first place. But what I found interesting in, in, in this, because sometimes I, I ask myself, God, why didn't you deliver them before that point? Why did you wait for them to get in the fire? Why did you wait for the fire to be heated up seven times just before you show up? And the Holy Spirit said to me, because son, even if I don't deliver you, from it, I would rescue in it. And many of us are asking God to deliver us from situations. He's saying, I'm not even trying to deliver you. I'm trying to rescue you. Just so no one can even take credit. Just so no one can even doubt that the fourth one looks like the son of God. My next point, if you're going to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might you're going to have to know that even if God does not deliver me from the fire he will rescue me in the fire and him rescuing you all that means is him being with you in the fire if God does not deliver you and I don't know who needs to hear this but you're facing a situation and you're saying God where are you you should have delivered me from this time ago. Could it be that in this situation, it's not his plan to deliver you? But because he's so good, because he's so God, that if he doesn't deliver you from the fire, he would rescue you in the fire. Look what it says in Psalm 91 verse 14. Psalm 91 verse 14 says it like, like this. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him. For he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in. Everyone say in. The Lord ain't trying to eliminate troubles out of your life. He's trying to breathe you in the trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. And I love how the scripture says, I will. I will. I will. Meaning you don't need to guess anymore. This isn't even a promise. This is a statement of fact. That if you call upon me, I will rescue you. I may not deliver you. I may not come when you want me to come but I will always be on time. And the right time is when I show up. Even if he does not deliver you from the fire, 
He will rescue you in the fire. So, so, so something interesting happens in, in the next verse. Daniel 3, 26. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the open of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. The same Don that was saying that what God would rescue you. It's the same one saying that you are truly servants of the Most High God. Come out. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. Now watch this. And the such a prefect, governors, royal advisors all crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed them, nor was a hair of their heads sinned. Their robes were not scorched. And there was no smell of fire on them. The same fire that killed four of the soldiers. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the Bible said they didn't even smell like smoke. What am I, what am I saying? Thank God that we don't look like what we've been through. Bro, there's some seasons that should, have t- that should have taken you out. But yet, here you are. Smiling, looking beautiful. If they knew your story, but thank God we don't look like what we've been through, man. That his grace is able to make us go through a season. But that season, not... All I'm trying to say is this. If you're going to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might... The same thing that took out others and left them in the states will only be a stage that you go through. I'm going to say that again. The same thing that took out others and left them in the state. The same situation that left somebody in a state of anxiety and uncertainty and the depression. You can go through the exact same situation, but because the Lord is your strength, you won't even look like what you've been through. Because what if I told you that we would all walk through the valley of the shadow of death? But the valley of the shadow of death, because you have made the Lord your strength, the valley, the valley of the shadow of death will be, a, will be a place that you go through. Wherefore, others will be a place where they go to. I'm going to say that again. Because you have made the Lord your God your strength, the valley of the shadow of death will only be a place that you go through. But for others, it will be a place that they go to. Where for them is a state, for you will be a stage. Because you would come out not even looking like you've been through the valley of the shadow of death. The Bible says they went, and what, and what testimony makes more sense? That God delivered them before the fire, or they went through the fire, and they came out not even smelling like smoke. What one do you think would give him more glory? But I don't want you to read this story and think it applies to them. Look at your own life. Because there's sometimes you can be a season where you're thinking, raw, this is fiery. He's saying, yeah, it's supposed to be. God, why won't you just deliver me? I'm not trying to deliver you. I'm trying to be with you in it and rescue you. I'm going to come through you. But you may need to feel a bit of heat because the heat is actually for your good. The heat is actually pruning you, making you trust me more, making you be more like me, making you serve me more, making you pray to me more. So you would go through the heat. But because I'm so good, you would come out and not even look like what you've been through. Because you have made the Lord God your strength. So the king end goes on to say like, like, like this. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 
who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any other god except theirs. Therefore, everyone say therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of the Hebrew boys, <laughs> the same king at the start of the chapter said that if we don't bow down to the image that I've made, by the end of it, his decree is that now I make another decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of the Hebrew boys be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other God can save in this way. Look at the effect that it had on the whole nation because of free people who decided to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Look at the ripple down effect. Not only, not only does now King N know that there is a God, he made a decree that, you know what, this God is the living God. And every single person here must bow down to that God and that God only. What if I told you that your obedience to, to God not only affects you, but affects those around you? Your nation needs to see you obey God. Your family needs to see you obey God. Your friendship group needs to see you obey God. Your inner circle needs to see you be an example of people who put their strength in the Lord and in the power of his might. And I don't know why I feel this word so strongly. You may be in a season where that's you now, like you're literally in fire. But if not, I promise you, I promise you, like mark it on the wall, you would go through a season that you'll be in fire because that's just life. And I want you to hear these words of mine, hear the words that the Lord is saying, that when you get to that point, it's just an opportunity to be strong in me and rest in the power of my might. So when Ephesians says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, he means this. Because in order for you to last, in order for nations to serve God, in order for people to know that I can rescue, they need to see you. Everyone say me. Gone are the days where we need to speak about the Hebrew boys. Let it also be said of your life. Give people a modern day example. Because for some of them, they may not read this. But if they see the way you live, they won't be able to deny the power of God. God wants to use every single person here. But for you to go out there, you have to know that one, it's not by your strength. That you have to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So fam, let's rise to our feet and pray.